This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by brilliant lawyer, Andrew Lee Linna. Andrew is a partner at McGuire Woods who heads up a lot of the efforts around digital health. She talks to us regularly about trends and issues that she's watching currently. Andrew, why don't you take it away? Tell us what are one or two of the stories or trends that you're watching in digital health currently? What's on your mind? Yeah. So um, two that I've got for this week, the first one is the end of the public health emergency was announced. So that designation is going to end May 11th. And as part of that, what has been a concern is, well, at the end of the public health emergency, are we going to experience this telehealth cliff um, or a digital health cliff where the government Medicare program was previously paying for telehealth services during the pandemic, and then all of a sudden, you know, the PHE is going to end and all these individuals are going to be left without services that they've come to rely on. So really the good news with that is for telehealth, we aren't going to see much change post-pandemic for a while. So not until December 31st, 2024. So basically what happened is the Biden administration signed an act at the end of December which covered many, many topics, but included extensions of those telehealth flexibilities that we saw implemented in COVID, 20, you know, beginning of COVID and the beginning of the PAG, um, and extended those through December 31st, 2024. Last year, those flexibilities were only extended for 151 days um, beyond the public health emergency. So that's good news um, for the digital health industry, uh, for really any provider that's in the telehealth space, is that we're not going to experience, okay, events, like everything's going to change and we're going to go right back to where we were pre-COVID. Um, so this is going to include changes like removing the geographic requirement that individuals had to be in a rural area or couldn't be at home to provide their telehealth services. Um, that was a big one expanding the eligible practitioners, um, delaying in-person requirements for certain mental health services. So all of those things we're delaying until December 31st, 2024. I think what this does signal at the same time is like, that's great, we're through December 31st, 2024, but um, we still don't have a permanent solution here, right? There's still this question mark of, well, what's gonna happen then? What are we going to see? Um, the act that was um, signed by Biden at the end of December talked about how they're going to do a study. They're going to look at how telehealth was built um, in that interim period, so until 2024, as well as pre-COVID, to try and get an idea of how they want to handle telehealth reimbursement um, permanently. So I think this is a good sign that the government is still interested in reimbursing for telehealth. Um, they still see that it clearly has value, but it's still not a permanent solution. Um, so I think we are just, again, kind of at this, we're waiting to see what happens kind of a situation, um, but definitely making some progress here. So I think that you know, there's a lot of talk in the industry about the end of the public health emergency and kind of what that means for all these COVID waivers. And I think for telehealth generally, um, things are going to continue as they as they are now, at least for a little bit, with with some certain exceptions. But for the most part, that's that's the case. I mean, it's really fascinating because no one really wants to see telehealth go away. Do there are there people that want to see telehealth go away? Other than payers and maybe the government who pays for it, the, the rest of us, the population, 
doesn't want to see it go away. And I take it at the end of the day, hospitals and doctors don't either because it gives them a different right. level of flexibility than they've had too. Yeah. Um, I think what it is, and this touches on the next subject, is the government is still trying to wrap its mind around, in my mind, how do we deal with fraud abuse in the telehealth space? There are, as there always will be, bad actors in every single space, right? So you're going to have bad actors in the telehealth space. Um, you're, you have bad actors in every healthcare uh, arena. So I think the government's trying to figure out how to deal with that and kind of what those appropriate boundaries are. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm gathering is there's still not a good consensus on what to do about that and how to handle that. And then we just keep punting, right? Um, we've got a longer period of time here until 2024 and 2024. So um, it gives us some more time. We'll see what they do. Um, but unfortunately, it's still not that permanent solution. And I think that's what a lot of companies want right now is to be able to say, okay, we're investing a lot of money in this space. We, you know, want to be able to push this forward, but now we still don't know, right? Um, yeah. So and and how big is the, you know, we all see sort of the anecdotal, you know, prescription mills that are, were telehealth prescription mills. Right. Um, you know, there, there's still an improvement in cure that needs to come with telehealth, at least seems to be still lots of variability in how well care is delivered. But how big is the fraud problem? I know there's been some big behavioral health pill mill type things, yeah. but is it is it just anecdotally that there's a few or is it that pervasive? What's or they're just gonna study that? I think they're gonna study that and I get the sense that it's anecdotal. I mean I think that what they're calling, you know, this telehealth fraud has been around forever. What they're really talking about here is bad actors calling up Medicare beneficiaries and convincing them that they need, you know, DME or they need genetic testing or something that they don't need. Um, and I think that's kind of been wrapped into, well, this is like a COVID problem. And it's, this is not a COVID, this has been happening for a very long time. Um, so that's the sense that I get is just there's, um, Still some discomfort there, um, but I think ultimately we're going to, you know, and let me talk about the next point too, which I think ties into exactly what you were just talking about, which on Friday, the DEA came out and there's this Ryan Height Act, it's called, and this was to deal, um, you know, enacted 14 years ago at the beginning of the internet, they're saying, hey, we've got all these rogue pharmacies and they're prescribing controlled substances to individuals without prescriptions or without any in-person examinations. Um, you know, children, young adults were getting a hold of these, overdosing, very, very bad. Um, so obviously there was a real need to make sure that there was control over the distribution of controlled substances through the internet. Um, so basically the Ryan Height Act has required for many years that there be an in-person um, examination and visit before prescribing of controlled substances. Well, then we get to COVID and we're in March, 2020, and the DEA comes out and says, okay, we're gonna get rid of this in-person requirement during COVID, um, which opened up a lot of possibilities for companies like you probably recall, a Cerebral was a big one, True Pill was one, where these new very profitable um, companies 
we're dispensing controlled substances like Adderall and Xanax, telehealth, um, and they have come under a lot of scrutiny, right? There's been whistleblowers who have said, you know, we had a lot of pressure. We basically, everybody got a prescription for Adderall. You know, there, there wasn't any control over this. And that was big news within the last, you know, year and change. Um, and so what we got on Friday was some, I, I think the industry is frustrated with it and it's not wonderful news is that the DEA is going to bring back that in-person requirement. Um, so they're bringing that back for certain controlled substances other than like a 30-day supply of schedule um, three through five um, controlled medications, schedule two, you have to have an in-person visit in advance. Um, so we're, we're moving back in that area around prescribing to closer to what we had pre-COVID. Um, very frustrating for a lot of companies. Um, a lot of companies in COVID popped up, you know, related to this online prescribing because of these waivers. And now what's going to happen there? So this is a proposed rule. There's 30 days to comment. Um, we don't know what the final rule is going to look like. But um, lots of disappointment, lots of pushback already. Um, we're only looking at a couple of days since that rule came out. Um, and so we'll see what happens there. There's another, I would predict that the, there's a special registration project uh, process for telehealth prescribing. This was enacted 14 years ago, basically saying that, oh, if you go through this special registration process, you can um, prescribe controlled substances without an in-person visit. And 14 years, been waiting for that regulation, been waiting for those rules, never has happened. Um, Everybody thought that's what this DEA proposed rule was going to say. And then we started reading it and it doesn't say that. Um, so lots of uncertainty still in this area. And I think it's exactly what you were just referring to is that, oh, well, we've got these, you know, this big news yeah. around Rebrow and all these other companies. So how do we deal with that? Yeah, no, and, and to be fair to the government here, there's been so much abuse of some of those things and so much concern right. generally about drug abuse and opioid abuse and other kinds of prescription abuse totally. that, you know, that it's a very complicated issue. So how do you get the right balance between having enough protection and avoid it becoming the new pill mill? You know, like, right. like, like allegedly some of these companies did. You know, what a fascinating situation. So public health, prescriptions through phone, all kinds of other things will be at issue uh, through this public health emergency ending and, and sort of looking at what does telehealth look like? Obviously a ton of companies, a ton of health systems, a ton of physicians offices, Everybody sort of really has moved to being pretty engaged and all in on telehealth, so they'll try and sort of figure this out. Andrea, thank yeah. you so much for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It's always great to visit with you. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you.